Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. UK Tech Weekly Podcast. Hey, we're back with another UK Tech Weekly podcast. It's Henry Burrell here, taking the chair in a week that saw Fitbit skimming stones and ending up keeping a pebble, the camera turning on the Met Police as they made some clouded Microsoft judgment, but Azurus, it's all okay, and a trip down the Amazon without a paddle for anyone with a smartphone. Just don't expect a private ride. This week's pod takes place on an audio ranch, where a disembodied audio voice tells us to build an audio baseball field, playing audio sports with invisible audio stars, in order to convince my dead audio father to come play a game of audio catch with me to ease his audio pain. (laughs) He's the fastest pitcher on the field. We've got Chris Martin, consumer tech editor of PC Advisor. Hello. He'll turn it around from the bottom of the ninth. It's Tamlin McGee, online editor at Tech World. All right. And he's always guaranteed to get past second base. It's Scott Carey, online editor at Computer World UK. Hello. So, listener, join us by confidently walking into 40 minutes of audio corn. Who knows what's on the other side? Is it tech? Pebble, pebble, you've torn your dress. Pebble, pebble, your face is a mess. Pebble, pebble, how could you go? Fitbit has bought you so... Chris Martin. <laughs> okay, no reaction here. Hello. <laughs> has Fitbit burst the pebble bubble to leave it in a pile of rubble, or is this brand new double a route out of trouble? Oh. <laughs> I don't know where to start. So it's a really um, strong start, is what it is. <laughs> Tell us what's um, happened in the smartwatch well, as, world. As you alluded to in your little jingle song there, um, Fitbit has, has bought pebble. Uh, or acquired it, however you want to put it. So Pebble is kind of, in a way, no more. It's kind of dead. Um, and Pebble, if you don't know, is one of the kind of original tech wearable companies. Had success on Kickstarter. Um, probably one of the most successful Kickstarter things that's ever happened. Yeah, I mean, in a way. we could kind of say that they pretty much popularized the yeah. smartwatch. Yeah. So the original Pebble was kind of, kind of the original smartwatch um, with its e-ink screen and decent battery life and all those kind of things but yeah fitbit the uh very well-known wearable fitbit fitbit <laughs> fitness band giant there you go um has has bought them up um and one of the sad things is that um two of the most recent pebble uh products have been canned so um everybody who backed them on kickstarter will not be getting those devices 
um, and one of them is the Pebble Time 2. That's right. And the other <laughs> one is the Pebble Core. Because we got excited about this when it was announced because it was like a little uh, 3G uh, device, wasn't it, that you could basically yeah. just stream Spotify so to. These, yeah, these were announced along with the Pebble 2, <coughs> which is already out um, back in May, I think, like basically earlier this year. Um, and the Time 2 is just um, another smartwatch. But the Core was this kind of interesting little... Uh, gadget that you could kind of program to do whatever you want is basically just a little box with a button mm. um, and you could choose to get it to order a taxi every time you push it if you feel rich enough <laughs> or like basically do whatever um, but yeah that's that's now gone yeah because Pebble laid off quite a few of their staff recently saying money was tight and then these rumors have cropped up over the past few days and now it's come fully formed Fitbit's what bought a lot of well all of Pebble's software assets yeah. So, uh, and then, and then also the surprising thing they said that <clears throat> watches would continue uh, to work, but at a reduced function. Was that right? So, we're not, yeah, Pebble users can't really expect many more software updates. So, I've got kind of their bullet point like update for everybody on Kickstarter and 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 stuff. It says Pebble is no longer promoting manufacturing or selling any devices. Uh, they will continue to work as normal. Um, there'll be no immediate changes, but functionality or service quality may be reduced in the future, um, which is a bit sad. I mean, Scott Pe- and Pebble yeah. users are well sad about this. Yes, yeah. <laughs> like, really. Charlotte sad. has got one, and she said in Slack, in full caps, "I'm genuinely gutted." Yeah, I, w- I walked <laughs> um, into the office yesterday, and she was like on the verge of tears. <laughs> and I was like, "What's happening?" She's like, "Pebble side," and I was like, "Oh yeah, that was always going to happen." Yeah. <laughs> Does uh, it kind of raise questions about Kickstarter projects in general? I wonder because. This is the most successful Kickstarter project ever. And... Well, apart from that Zach Braff movie that got made on Kickstarter. Okay, apart from that. <laughs> <laughs> that well-known. <laughs> okay, let's well, it, it was real bad. It was the one he made with the two kids in I quite California. Liked Where... I, but I've never heard of this film. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but it's the most popular like consumer tech yeah. product that's being funded by Kickstarter, and it's just dead in the water. And if you funded it and you've got one, it's just going to be crap now as well. I, I always thought they should have changed their business model because it was so successful originally, raised millions of dollars. But then I thought it was weird that a company that was perceived to be very successful continued to sell their stuff in that way. Mm-hmm. I thought they were just... Yeah, they kind of did it every time. Mm. I kind of... I Yeah, I've thought this about a lot of Kickstarter and similar crowdfunding projects where it's a bit like, you don't need to do that. Like, should you really be doing that? Is it... Is it, is it <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah... But like it's fine the first time, yeah. but then to do it, you know, for every new project you do, it's a bit like you only really needed it for the first one. Mm. It brings into question that business model. I mean, Scott and Tamlin, from a B two B point of view, you must see quite a lot of well companies basically being bought by Google or Facebook. Yeah, I would, this was my first thought from like a B two B perspective is that it just sort of establishes Fitbit as the like the big player in the in the market now, mm. and they already were. Yeah, I mean, they already were. They were already outselling the Apple Watch, weren't yeah. they? By like. 3x yeah like, the funny yeah. thing is fitbit's banned like they're really well known for poor build quality so like, yeah people are constantly saying oh my fitbit broke but yeah. they do such a good job at replacing the bands like with no hassle that mm. that customer service then just makes them even better somehow yeah this is like, just a natural strategy is basically <clears throat> once you get to a certain size you just start eating up your smaller competitors yeah yeah um, you'll do a lot of acqui hiring where you'll just basically take like all the talent out of pebble and bring it into Fitbit, and that will um, help them in the long run. Uh, and yeah, they'll just they'll just become sort of the the monopoly in the market. Um, yeah, I Fitbit. I, I I saw Fitbit speak at an event earlier this year, and they're doing some really 
scary stuff with data because <laughs> yeah, they basically <laughs> can track everyone's movements all the time. Mm. So they are trying to like work with city councils to basically show cities like the move, like the flows of people through cities oh, wow. to like try and help them um, to make like traffic flows better or yeah. like um, where people commute. The um, amount of data is they're collecting is crazy. Yeah, it's and it's one of those things where like like that kind of thing could be used for real decent things but yeah. it could also be yes flipped on its head well you, you like amazon workers in warehouses like pickers have to wear uh wristbands that oh right have, have quotas on them yeah, until yeah. they can go to the toilet and stuff oh, yeah <laughs> but I, i'm wondering so they're moving yeah but I, I'm, oh. I'm wondering if like i'm wondering if this is kind of the end of the um wearable kind of hype cycle because i remember ces a few years ago literally every company was like oh yeah we've got smartwatch we're doing wearables 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 and i don't know i thought it was kind of lame at the time yeah no i i can see where you're coming from mwc a couple of years ago it was all about smartwatches and samsung made a big deal about theirs but i was kind of thinking about this yesterday because i'm reviewing a samsung smartwatch at the moment um <laughs> it's all right that's my that's my hot take that's, that's <laughs> um i was thinking that the Apple Watch, everyone's kind of, Apple says it's selling amazingly, but like you, like you mentioned earlier, Fitbit outsells it. They are two mm. different products. But in a weird way, I was thinking that the Apple Watch, even though it's the cheapest Apple product, is kind of the most luxurious. Yeah. It's the one that you don't really need. Everyone gets a subsidized phone contract. Most people will have a laptop. But mm. these, these smartwatches fall in this weird category of being comparatively affordable, but no one actually needs them. And... They just don't look that nice compared to actual watches. Yeah, like, you know, <laughs> and that. Yeah. Don't tell David. I will. No, I'm glad we could have this conversation without David. I'm really <laughs> glad right. I like. I like the ones that are a bit of a what we've kind of coined like semi-smart watches, where it's an analog watch, mm. but it has smart features kind of hidden away. So this fossil that I'm wearing is just a nice analog watch, but it's got. Show yeah, I can't actually see it. Oh, that's nice. But it's got, you know, a vibration motor and a couple of LEDs. Mm. So I can know, like, based on the colour, who's ringing or texting my phone and stuff. So yeah, it's kind of, cool. it's handy. Because you wouldn't know just no, by I can looking get on board. at it. I can get on board with that. Yeah. And we've also seen, like, quite a few other acquisitions in the wearable market recently. So, like, Nokia bought Withings. Oh, yeah. Um, Withings was, like, another one that has quite nice analogue-looking watches with those yeah. different functions built in. And Fossil um, has acquired Misfit. That is correct. <laughs> yeah, you are correct. Trying to get these correct, uh, but yeah, quite mm. a few recently. So it's all kind of it's all changing a bit. Mm. They would they would do a lot of different things. I wonder how long it will be before the general public realise that data collection is an issue in that way. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I think it's it's already somewhat. Uh, people are already somewhat knowledgeable knowledgeable about it. At least in the workplace, like there are these companies that will have tracking modules underneath your chair, so they can collect data on when you're away from your desk and stuff. Really? Yeah. Mm. That's a bit, we that's a bit creepy. Uh, <laughs> judging from the smoke breaks I take, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll, get, we'll get into it later with Amazon Go as well, but it's this whole like opt-in versus opt-out thing where yeah. basically once you buy a Fitbit and you, you just click agree to their terms of service and oh, then yeah. you don't really know what you're opting into generally like we do because we cover it and mm. we, like, we care. But like most consumers will just be like, that's fine, and then they don't really realise mm. how much data is being collected. There was that. Yeah. There was that Amazon cloud 
contract and on like page 300 or something they had a clause about zombies and the apocalypse <laughs> yeah they just stuck it in didn't yeah. they yeah. Well, it's that it's that age old thing of like well you've spent money on a product you're not going to say no no like to not like you're basically saying uh, you can't use it if you say no so no. yeah like people, you don't really have people a just want the convenience yeah. people just want the product yeah and just just to note the any anyone who did uh fund the uh court or the time two will get refunded so you in, in you March, I thought that was a, quite a long time to get refunded. Who, who's paying that out then, Fitbit? Yeah, and also I just, I that's pretty good. At they also had to publicly say that any refunds uh, will go obviously, obviously back to the uh, back to the consumer, but it takes three months. Yeah, and then if current Fitbit employees own stock in the company, it's now worthless. Uh, this doesn't say much, and it will go back to like investors and. Stuff like that. Yeah. So this is Kickstarter backers who have not received their rewards will receive a full refund by December sixteenth. Hmm. No further ne- action is needed. Where do they get the March thing from? Anyway, it's all a little bit complicated, <laughs> and it kind of gives the impression of it being quite quite a messy thing. But yeah, check your statement to see if you've got a refund. Yeah, check <laughs> in the next account, in the next few weeks. Little, yeah. Nice <laughs> cool. Right. So that is the Pebble News. Quickly go around the room for an opinion here. Um, smartwatch or massive botch. <laughs> Chris Martin Massive botch Yeah Tamlin Massive botch Scott Massive botch There you go Massive botch Agreement Don't buy a watch Okay cool (laughs) Uh, Coming up next We are going to talk about Police cameras Well they're Filming Those police with cams They'll store your face Those police with cams They will shoot you (laughs) But only with said cams And the footage (laughs) Well, it's in the cloud. <laughs> the, Metro- <laughs> the Metropolitan Police, Tamlin McGee. What have they done? <laughs> what haven't they done? <laughs> um, the Metropolitan Police have been trialling a programme to um, equip their police officers with body-worn video cameras. Right. And there are 3,500 operational in the field at the moment. And it's uh, being rolled out to... All 22,000 officers in all of London's 32 boroughs. Um, the, the whole thing's being dressed up as kind of an exercise in transparency. You know, it's going to cut down on complaints, uh, excessive violence, and all that stuff that people right. love about the police. <laughs> uh, so it's been set up by the Met as a way to prove that they're not lying, and then also as a deterrent. Yes, but there are a few caveats. Okay. Can they can they turn them off like they can in the US? Well, they can decide when and when to turn them on or off. That's like that's like deciding when or when not to shoot someone. <laughs> Basically, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's completely up to the officers. Right. Uh, I talked to a superintendent at the MPS, uh, Adrian Hutchinson, who is in charge of the mobile technology unit, yeah. and he told me that you have no right not to be filmed. So really, yeah. So You're really, double negative. <laughs> really, the the power is. Fully in the hands of the people with the the officers with the with the cameras. Uh, what's interesting about the story is that the cameras themselves, the footage is automatically uploaded to uh, cloud cloud storage by Microsoft, Microsoft yep. Azure, and that raises all sorts of other questions about privacy, how secure the footage is, and so on. The superintendent that I talked to told me that if the police deem it worthy for evidence gathering at some future date they can hold on to the data indefinitely so they decide when to film you it goes up on the cloud and they can just keep it forever right if they decide it's not useful so for example if they've you know got some footage of another police officer kicking a peaceful protester's head in um 
they can delete that and it's automatically deleted <laughs> after 31 days. Yeah, so basically they can film and store it if you're being violent, but if they're being violent, they can just delete it. Yes, and one of in, the... In a nutshell. Right. One, one, of, <laughs> one of the the good things that they've been boasting about is that police complaints have dropped as much as 90% mm. in the areas where these things have been trialled, but you have to kind of wonder why. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, It seems exactly. like there's a kind of imbalance of power here whereby the police can choose to film you whenever they want and keep that footage I'm, on I'm record. I'm going to assume definitely. this footage isn't public record, or can individuals apply to view footage of themselves? They can through a subject access request. This has not been particularly promoted by the police for no. some reason, <laughs> although the superintendent I talked to did say that they produced a viral video with 200,000 views on it that tells you all about it, but I haven't bothered to watch it, so I can't <laughs> comment. Um, you, have to use a, you have to apply for a subject access request, and if that's successful, you can then get the opportunity to go into the station and watch the footage, but you wow. don't get the data yourself. No. You could just be aware of what happened before. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I read your article, Tamlin, and there was one thing that's the quote that stood out for me from Mr. Hutchinson, I think it was, um, where you, I think you must have questioned him on when is the right time to use it mm-hmm. and when are officers expected to use cameras. And he just said, there's no right or wrong, but we, <laughs> but we offer some straightforward guidance. Yeah. But absolutely. the fact he said the words, there is no right or wrong. <laughs> yeah. That was a bit um, alarming. <laughs> they, they have some guidance apparently, but again, you're allowed to, They'll be allowed to film footage whenever they want. Um, there's no situation where they're not allowed to film footage and, yeah, all that good stuff. Mm. Do you think this will end up being something that the wider public, if, if, if at the moment this is just in London, mm-hmm. that will, will we be more aware in the media of um, sort of questionable uses of this? You know, like when somebody gets tasered. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, by the way, this is manufactured by Taser. <laughs> oh, no way. Yeah. I was going to say, do we know what cameras they are? Yeah, they're, yeah. they're manufactured by a subsidiary of Taser, okay. law enforcement's right. fave. So they're, they're... <laughs> uh, yeah, they're probably all in-house. Yes. Cam. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, are there any other examples of this kind of thing in UK policing or, or worldwide? Well, well, I think what's really interesting is that we've got a blueprint for this in the USA where Mm. Obama kind of in response to the Black Lives Matter demonstrations and the killings of black people in Ferguson and so on, uh, they rolled out body-worn cameras across the police force. I I don't know the exact scale of it, but I know they they started to do it anyway. But funnily enough, it hasn't really seemed to have prevented police Mm. violence or brutality. Yeah, I don't really see it as as a... Deterrent, really. They I just mean... seem to turn them off, and then you get headlines about yeah. like police oh, yeah, turning off their body cameras at opportune times. Um, but I mean, that's that that's not progress, is it? Like, it's just. Oh, but Scott, there's no right or wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, my, my, the favorite, my favorite thing that he said to me was that it's just common sense, which is you know the argument of your average UKIP counselor when they're trying to justify something absolutely horrible. <laughs> it's just common sense. We'll film you. According to our common sense, it's completely up to the officer in question when and when and when not to film. Um, there are also some other questions raised about the fact that it's going through Microsoft's cloud, which right. is an American company. Mm-hmm. So the servers will be hosted in the UK, which means it's in line with Regulation. regulations about data, apparently. But there was recently a case in Ireland where the US government demanded that Microsoft hand over all of its data from Outlook.com about people in Ireland purely because Microsoft is an American company. Now, the US government lost that case, but they, they can appeal it if they want. Mm-hmm. So it, you know, it kind of raises questions about how safe all this 
highly sensitive data is, you know. Well, you look at like the iCloud hacks of like celebrity photos and you realize that like no matter that, that, you know, that's Apple, that's one of the biggest tech companies in the world. It doesn't really matter how big they are. They're still susceptible to a hack. Um, So I I would be worried that there's that much sensitive video sitting Mm. in the cloud that could be hacked at any time. Would you think that's something that will, well, it'll probably bother um, people high up in the police force, maybe not so much the, the officers on the street themselves, yeah. but the chance that if they were to use this system to sub- well, yeah, subvert what they were meant to be doing and do something uh, questionable, morally questionable, um, surely they'll be worried about public accessing uh, incriminating data in that way. Yeah, you'd think that. And one of, <laughs> one, of this, one of this guy's arguments to me about why it's you know, not a big deal at all was simply, well, you live in a surveillance state already, so... <laughs> Great. <laughs> well, his specific quote was, the reality of life is you get filmed a lot, but it's like, well, we're not all that happy about it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. You know. Um, and also he said a lot about communities, whatever that means. Communities <laughs> love it. They love to be filmed. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Um. What you mean? They think that they're presenting this as um, what well, is like a way to say that communities will be just be safer because yeah. everything's yeah, absolutely. On, on film. It's about transparency and holding officers accountable, but only when they decide when to film. Yeah. <laughs> you know, oh, it's yeah. kind of a, a baffling story, and it hasn't really been picked up that much either. No, it hasn't. No, I, I, you kind of alluded to it just then. I think because it's an older technology, we've all just grown up with the the knowledge that we're on CCTV, however yeah. many mm. thousands of times a day in central London. And people just seem to have forgotten. <laughs> and the difference <laughs> is, got over it. a lot of CCTV footage in the UK in general is not that good. I mean, if you remember in the 2011 riots and the kangaroo courts that the police subsequently held, um, <laughs> they, they, they released a bunch of CCTV footage of people who were allegedly involved in the riots. And a lot of it was grainy and unusable. And that's the stuff they decided to release. But these will be... Good cameras, you know. Yeah. I don't know the specific definition yeah. they'll be filming in, but they can film for up to 12 hours and it will presumably be a lot clearer than some CCTV, CCTV camera from the 90s. Yeah, yeah. well, Taser, better known for electrocuting people than, you know, high-quality video, but we'll <laughs> High-quality electrocutions from <laughs> Taser. Yeah. Part of that, I guess part of that's just because it's much closer to the subject and what's happening rather than a camera that's quite far away yeah that's the that's the difference isn't it it's, <laughs> yeah. a, it's very specific filming rather than apart from the fact the camera's moving a lot more yeah <laughs> it is it's is interesting but. to to think of it perhaps as a bit of a retaliation to the trend of people filming police when they're being arrested you can look yeah. on youtube for you know arrest arrest footage and mm. there's a lot of footage out there of police behaving completely inappropriately there was one video recently of a cop smashing up some some person's car you know for absolutely <laughs> no reason whatsoever there's footage of a uh, cop at St Pancras Station, just a, around the down the road from here, beating the hell out of some guy for no seeming reason as well. There was footage of a cop uh, at one of the London Underground stations with his knee on the back of this young man's head and placing a spit hood over him, yeah. just like these completely excessive acts. So it's interesting to think that you know we have the capability to film now, so do they. 
um, I don't know, from a legal standpoint, what would be more permissible? In yeah, no, yeah. I've been I've been watching Atlanta recently on Fox, um, which is a, a show about Atlanta, Georgia. But there's this really cool episode. I think it's episode seven, where um, it includes like retro adverts during the show. Yeah, uh, and one of them is like a, a like serial advert, but it's actually a indictment on police brutality, and it's <laughs> one of the cleverest pieces of satire I've seen this year. Um, oh, yeah, and it's that. probably on YouTube somewhere. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's a huge issue in the US and it, it, it'll be interesting to see if it sort of comes over the pond now, now that the body worn cameras are more sort of prevalent. The, the kind of last thing I want to get at is, you know, there have been instances where evidence that makes the police look bad, look bad has mysteriously gone missing and you have to wonder what accountability they'll, what procedures they'll have in place to stop that from happening with footage that may not show officers in the best of light. I yeah. don't know if there is any. We might get some really good new, uh, like, police shows, uh, <laughs> like, after 11 on, like, a channel like Bravo. So some positives. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, I, that's the positive. Yeah, obviously, I, I presume that, yeah, like you say, the footage um, will come to rely on mm-hmm. um, to, to justify, like, sort of uh, controversial police acts. There, there won't be any sort of third-party adjudicator all there. It was all would just be internally processed by the Met. Or, or like, the IPCC, which tends to side with them police get away with murder literally you know (laughs) well fun fun times times. in london town (laughs) (laughs) love Um, to live dystopia so nice yeah happy friday everyone yeah (laughs) (laughs) okay well yeah that's a bit of uh, grim news for you there but check out tamlin's uh, article about it on techworld.com so i'm just going to go around the room uh tamlin mcgee police camera action or guilty until proven innocent guilty until proven innocent scott carey Police camera action because it's too you're... good. <laughs> Chris, police camera action. Just oh, rats. Okay, it. okay. Well, apparently we're for it, but we're probably we're not. not really. Probably, probably not. not for it. Just for that catchphrase. Okay, so after after police brutality comes uh, minus consumerism. Yay! <laughs> Buy some stuff. Before you go, go, don't need any stuff, cause that's a no-no. Take some stuff, and then you go, go, Amazon's laughing tonight. It's so easy to buy. <laughs> Scott Carey, where have all the jobs gone? <laughs> are, we, are we going hard on the jobs angle here? Uh, as you wish. Yeah, well, Explain I mean... Explain first, maybe. <laughs> Amazon Go is uh, Amazon's latest innovation... Um, they are opening a physical shop, uh, like a grocery store, which looks very much like a Whole Foods. Yeah, in Seattle. Exactly. Um, <laughs> and they're, they're, they're testing it at the moment, so it's not open to the public, but they're hoping to open it um, at the beginning of 2017 in the US, apparently. So if the listener hasn't seen this video, yeah. can you just explain yeah. the process? So basically the idea is that you walk into the store, you use your phone to use the Amazon Go app to, like, go through a turnstile, um, and then a load of cameras and sensors, etc., <laughs> will detect how you move through the store, what you pick up and put in your bag or in your pockets, uh, and then you can just walk out, and it will bill you to your Amazon account um, the minute you walk out of the store. Uh, it's a really, really good idea. Like, it's a really clever idea um, <clears throat> from Amazon, and, I mean, it's really, really convenient. And if it works, it will be a great success for them because... The idea of just walking in, picking up your sandwich and walking out is mm. obviously a consumer's dream. Uh, there's a lot of caveats. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, because uh, in your article you said um, they were very vague about how they explained how it worked. Yeah. Um, the quote they... was computer vision, deep learning algorithms, and sensor fusion. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's very buzzfeed heavy, uh, very buzzword heavy um, in the fact that they basically yada yada the technology behind it. So they say, yeah, you know, it's like computer vision and sensors. And, <laughs> and then they just show you the cool bits about like picking something off the shelf it then goes into your like virtual basket on your phone and then if you put it back on the shelf it'll come out so it's like okay so it does have that it can do that yeah so this is one thing that i like sort of picked up is that there's the capability for you to like pick up a cupcake and put it back and it'll like sense whether you have decided to purchase it or not but then they could also if you did that a couple of times in theory ping you a notification saying fancy that cupcake here's 10 percent off <laughs> which i personally yeah. find terrifying um retailers probably think that it's a blindingly good idea scott wasn't there something about racial profiling in there as well yeah so the, this is the <laughs> other thing about the that so they yada yada the technology in the video which is completely fair enough it's like a one minute promotional video made for consumers yeah but what a couple of um journalists did uh, particularly from the verge i think is um discover this 2014 patent that amazon technologies filed for um which is basically the underlying technology for amazon go um it's uh, the it's basically a blueprint of the entire system that will underpin amazon go so it's um linking up all of these technologies like voice cameras sensors your phone uh, and making it possible to do this um, like cashierless shopping experience. Uh, there's some really weird things in this patent. So basically, the using the their computer vision algorithms and their camera footage, they're able to detect the skin tone of a person. And the reason they say this is because they say that it makes it easier to detect whether an item is in someone's hand or not. Right. But also, <clears throat> it just gives them a trove of demographics data. So they'll know basically the racial profile of everyone walking into their stores. Uh, They might be able to do some gender profiling, although it probably won't be an exact science um, and things like that. So what would people's issue be with this? I mean, aside from the obvious racial element, Technically, you could say that companies already have that information anyway. If you buy something from Amazon and they know you're a you're a, you're a woman, absolutely. Like, yeah. So, so how why is this more controversial? I think it's the the, the whole intrusiveness and in what I was saying earlier about the opt in, opt out. Like when you walk into a shop, you don't expect to be profiled the minute you walk in. Sure, yeah. um, maybe you are. Like, and I know that there are a lot of retail tech startups um, that have been like working with retailers to do this sort of thing, where they basically want to have a better idea of people's buying habits so what they do when they walk into a store where they head where they don't um so they can better position items but what amazon are doing is a real step change in that they're they're really upping the ante in terms of knowing exactly what people are doing at all times in their stores i met some ted talk man Mm. once who um (laughs) let's call him ted let's call him ted (laughs) (laughs) and he he taught me through the history of club cards and that was always about just generating data to yes yeah better but arguably all of that stuff even maybe this on a new level arguably it is all just very useful and can help them make the store better exactly yeah i mean that that's 100 percent the way that they'll see it and there, there will be huge benefits for the consumer um so what so what could they do that's so bad with it 
be suggesting giving it to a policing authority. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I honestly don't think it's that bad. I just think that like the the lack of awareness of how much data is being like collected when you theme today, go it? into the stores <laughs> is is something. But like as as you say, the consumer won't be bothered by that. Like they yeah. they are complicit with that trade off of like your yeah. privacy when it comes to convenience. Like, I, I, yeah, I don't think it. I don't think it's that different to me having a Next card. No. And Sainsbury's know everything I buy. And then when I go to do a shop online, it goes, oh, these are your favourites yeah. in that kind of area. So it makes it a lot easier, like mm. quicker to do a shop. And then at the end it goes, oh, you, you normally buy this stuff yeah. and you've forgotten it. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, I have actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's really useful. No, it's, I mean, <laughs> there's, there's a lot of it is hugely convenient. Um, in the patent also they um, make... Uh, it clear that they're going to be installing a ton of microphones throughout the store. Okay. So, and seeing as Amazon <clears throat> developed Alexa, uh, they are pretty good at detecting speech and passing it into natural language. So there's a distinct possibility they can listen to your conversations when you're in the shop but, as well. But then at the same time, we carry micro- microphones around on our phones all day as well. Yep. But is that being recorded and stored and being used for marketing <laughs> reasons? Uh, but like on a more practical note, the, the uh, Amazon will have a lot of things to iron out here. Like there are sort of knotty issues with like if you walked into a shop with your friend and they picked something up and put it into your basket, who's getting charged? Mm, um, yeah. Like uh, there's things like if you're on like a family Amazon account and you shop together. Um, how does that work? So th- th- there's a few things that are going to have to iron out. But the thing with Amazon is that, like, if anyone can do this, it's probably them. Like, yeah. they they they, te- they tend to get these things right. They've got a lot of resource behind them. They're generally a lot of very smart people. Uh, they're they're very good at technology. Um, this requires a lot of computing power in the background. But um, Amazon basically own half the computing power in the world mm-hmm. uh, through AWS. So that's not going to be a problem. So yeah, just just going back slowly to how they actually register how you get a product. I didn't actually realise before you said it <clears throat> there would be so many sensors involved mm. in the process because judging by the video, I thought the bloke just picked up his panini or whatever, and yeah. then when he walks out, it looked like it was through some sort of turnstile. And surely, if you're just if it's on your person and your so's your phone, won't there just, just be some sort of NFC yes. vibe? So, so you wait, if you walk through, so why is it? tracking you the whole way through the store if you pick up and put something down if you don't leave with it yeah so there's like a, there's like a double um there's like a two-factor authentication with the products okay. so basically um there'll be the sensor which detects if something's been picked off and the shelf a, yeah that's a bit like a mini bar yes in a hotel yeah so it knows some something's gone from that basically just based on <clears> the weight okay yeah it's like really old technology but for yeah. some reason they're calling it fusion sensors <laughs> to make it sound like it's really like cool sensor <laughs> Um, but then they'll also verify that either through an RFD tag, yep. um, which will be which will be detected through the turnstiles and also your phone. Okay. Um, so everything sort of talks to each other. But then they also they bought a startup in two thousand and nine, which specialised. Was it bread? No, it was not <laughs> bread. Rest in peace, bread. Um, it was. Uh, I can't remember the name of the startup, but they basically swallowed it up, and it is a. Um, they specialize in computer vision uh, technology for products. So they can detect whether a box of cereal is cornflakes or crunchy nut, basically. Um, So they'll use that technology in conjunction with their cameras to um, detect what items are on a person. 
Um, so there's a there's a lot <clears> of moving parts, um, and it sounds extremely complex, and it probably is because no one's done it yet. But as I said earlier, like if anyone can pull this off, it's probably Amazon. I think the the identity aspect of it would be really interesting as well because you'll have to confirm that it is you are who you say you are. Yeah. So true, I ping I, so I ping them an email um, with a load of questions, and unsurprisingly, they haven't <laughs> responded yet. Um, but because they haven't got any staff anymore. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, actually, yeah. You open with the staffing thing. Yeah. What do we think? I mean, it's, it's, I mean, it's quite obvious what what this means for staffing in the fact that you yeah. don't need any. The idea is there's no checkout. Yeah. So you don't need checkout staff. No, and uh, the idea is that it's impossible to shoplift, so you don't need security. Right. In theory, but I'm sure. But then, in larger parts of Amazon's business, obviously they can't really do this with their warehouse staff. Because the whole convenience of shopping online is you don't have to walk around a massive store. Yeah, I mean that that's where they tested this. They tested it in their warehouses, um, and now they're sort of building a store because they're ready to go public with it. Mm. So, what do you think? It, so, at the moment is just going to be basically food and groceries and stuff. It looks like it is just kind of a, a, a supermarket, basically. <clears throat> yeah, it looks like it's going to be like a city centre mini mart where basically it's going to be grab and go stuff. So it's yeah. going to be lots of sort of lunch items, ready made food, milk, bread. Uh, booze. Um, there's a lot of booze in the advert. Um, yeah. It's and... not in focus, though. No, it's not. It's, yeah, it's really not. They also said they're going to sell kind of like meal kits where it has all the ingredients you need yeah. for like a meal that night. It's very you it's know, very Seattle Whole Foods. Yeah. Um, but they, they, there's a possibility that once they... Because they, they need to do that to make it easier for themselves to like detect the weight of things and like and put RFD tags and, and whatever. Um, they'll need to uh, sort of test it out and, and perfect the whole system if they want to, which I think is their game plan, is sell this into other retailers. So sell it into yeah. Whole Foods or sell it into an Apple store or something mm-hmm. like that where um, they can then yeah, get rid of all their point. stuff. It's funny because there, there were rumours that Amazon was going to buy Ocado a little while ago and they've just completely blown them out of the water with this. Because yeah. Ocado's whole principle was, oh, we're really tech savvy, we've mm. got automated warehouses. Well, so does Amazon and it's doing supermarkets now as well. I, I mean, it's just yet another example of Amazon scaring the hell out of other retailers. <laughs> like, because <laughs> yeah. they should be. Like they, they, They've already been like disrupted to, to hell by Amazon and now they're going to like come at them where it really hurts, which is their physical stores. Yeah, and then they could continue... Mm. They could, they could, they've already kind of spoiled the book business by mm. inventing the Kindle. I mean, this is perfect for bookstores as well. Yeah. No well, they, they opened a bookstore. Um, they did they do a physical one, place, yeah. didn't they? It was yeah. about, it was basically when I started this job. So it must have been just over a year ago that they opened a bookstore in Seattle. Um, and it's the, they brought a lot of their sort of e-commerce stuff to the physical store where all the books were like face out and like the descriptions were on like a tablet underneath. Right. Like, yeah. the, you know, like the Waterstones, like staff recommendation thing. Um, and they saw like a huge upturn in, in business on like uh, others. And then now you've seen that physical bookstores like Waterstones and Borders have actually adopted a lot of those techniques in their yeah. shops because it's the best way of doing it. From a B2B standpoint, and I promise I'll keep it brief. Um, <laughs> You hear a lot of you hear a lot about retailers in the UK, especially doing something that they like to call omni-channel, right? Which mm. is that you have the in, you have the internet online element, you have the bricks and mortar element, and you bring it all together by allowing consumers to engage in the store. And you know they have some things like staff equipped with iPads, or you can get recommendations on your phone while you're in there. Yeah, but yeah. this just seems like on, on a completely different level. Yeah, this is. Uh... This is what they would call true omni-channel. <laughs> <laughs> 
<clears throat> well, just as a final thought, they will need people to stock the shelves. Yes. Yeah, they will. They don't yet have robots and drones stocking the shelves, <laughs> uh, but it's a distinct possibility. Yeah. Uh, you know, they, they, they'll be able to uh, do all their stocking information. Tamlin was saying to me the other day, this opens up lots of possibilities for predictive stocking because mm-hmm. they'll know like the ebbs and flows of demand for things like pumpkins around uh, Halloween <laughs> and stuff like that. So they can uh, yeah. stock more or stock less and they can automatically ping um, like orders to their fulfillment centers and it, it could become a very very automated process yeah, um, like, yeah the data on virtual merchandising as well yes. where people look when they walk in what they buy exactly Crazy. yeah you can do some eye tracking things um, that's nuts <laughs> but i mean we'll all still give it a go if we have the opportunity but i mean you don't have to go if you don't want to listener <laughs> no you do not cool well to quickly go around the room pretty obvious but uh scott carey amazon go or amazon no <laughs> amazon go tamlin Amazon Go. Yeah, and Chris Martin. Amazon Go. Okay, so we don't care who has our data. (laughs) Listener, you decide for yourself. Thanks for tuning in this uh, week to the UK Tech Weekly. We'll be back next week, obviously, for more brutally divisive tech chat. You can still listen to us via Acast, iTunes, SoundCloud, embedded online or embed offline. Subscribe, spread the news, tell your mates which one of us has the most annoying voice. Until (laughs) next time, say goodbye, guys. See ya. Bye. Bye. UK Tech Weekly Podcast.